On this eighth Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 1, beginning verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling on my courts? Stop bringing meanless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbath, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Washed and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in Galatians chapter 2, beginning verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all of them, You are a Jew, yet you will live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified in faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6, beginning the 16th verse. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Here ends the gospel. 
Okay, we had ocean commotion for VBS, and now today there's a storm at sea. Yes, there is a pattern. Are there any little people out there? Here we come. The little people. It won't be real water, so don't worry. First of all, you might notice there's somebody peeking at you from behind the kneeler. Somebody's peeking at you. Look at the kneeler. Who do you see? Yeah, Jesus is back there. Isn't that nice? Okay, now, I want you all to come into the boat. This is the boat. Come in here. Come on, let's get up in the boat. Yeah, come on in the boat. Get in the boat. There we go. Now, if you listen carefully to the gospel, Jesus made them get into the boat, and he did not get into the boat. They didn't see Jesus. And then there's a really bad storm that happens. Really bad. They were afraid the boat was going to sink. Now, how many of you can swim? Charlie? No, Charlie can't swim. That was the case of most everybody in the boat except for Peter. But swimming is not going to help him much. They all think they're going to drown. They're in the middle of the lake, all through the night working hard, the waves keep pounding over the boat. They're sure that they're going to die. And then suddenly in the latter part of the night, in the darkness, now they catch a glimpse of Jesus coming. Did you notice their reaction? Were they happy? No. Did they say, oh, come on in, Jesus, we'd like to have you? No. What were they? Terrified. If this day you saw Jesus coming for you, what would be your reaction? It's a very important basic question. If you don't know really who he is and what he's come to do, you see Jesus coming, it's the last roundup. It's the last time for you. Now, they were terrified for a little bit different reason. They didn't exactly recognize him. But he says, don't be afraid. It's me. And he's walking on what, Charlie? Water. Was it an ice storm? No. He's actually walking on water. Now, who wants to be Peter? Okay, Peter. Peter's a smart guy. Oh, you're in the boat still. He says, Jesus, if it's really you, then tell me to come out of the boat and walk to you on the water. Now, what is required for Peter? He has to have great faith that Jesus is going to be able to hold him up even though there's a big storm all over. Okay, so... Jesus is over here. 
Start walking toward Jesus. Oh, now he's out of the boat. Okay, now, fine. Now, what's happening all around you as you're walking over here? Big waves. Big, 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 big waves. But you're not drowning at all. But the minute you take your eyes off of Jesus and look at the waves around you, you remember the story? You are sunk, so sink down in the waters. In fact, the ancient Greek means you're going down for the third time. You're going to drown. And then Peter, he had faith to come out this far. He looked away to troubles instead of Jesus, so he starts to be sinking for the last time. But he still has faith to say, Lord, remember, save me. So Jesus reaches out his arm at the last minute and holds him up. Now, John's account doesn't tell us a whole lot, but suddenly everybody's back in the boat, and the boat ends up going to the place that they were working so hard to get, and it's just a moment. They finally reach shore and everything's safe. So what's the point? Keep your eyes always on Jesus, especially when you have troubles. Don't look at all the terrible things around you or you are sunk. Right, Charlie? You are sunk. So you keep your eyes looking to Christ, Jesus, and even if you start to sink a little, he's always there to take hold of you. So don't worry about troubles. You're always going to have some troubles, right? Even if you're only in first or second grade. Or Charlie, what grade are you in? Second. Okay. First. Are you sure? Okay. Okay, you can go back again. Thank you, Peter. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is the gospel reading. Especially, we'll be looking not only at John, but also at Matthew and Mark. When we put these three together, we get a very clear picture of what's happening that very dark night. Jesus has just fed the 5,000, plus all the women and children. Everybody's so happy that a dangerous thing happens. The crowds want to come and make Jesus their earthly king by force. Now, that may not sound too bad, except Jesus' purpose then and to this very day is not to be an earthly king. He is not to be at your beck and command to take care of all of your earthly needs so that you never worry about anything. Watch out for the health and wealth gospel. These characters are on television, and they claim if you have enough faith, you'll never have any trouble. So... Have you guys all had a little trouble yet? Caden sort of had a little trouble just prior to the baptism. <laughs> that was just a diaper problem. We all have troubles. Don't think that Christ has left you if you have troubles. We're told that Jesus literally had to force them into the boat when he stayed behind and prayed. He forced them into the boat because they liked the idea that Jesus could be their earthly king and take care of everything. 
It wouldn't be Obamacare, it'd be Jesus care. It wouldn't be Social Security, it'd be Jesus security. Everything could be taken care of by him. It would be glorious and wondrous and everything, it'd be great. Jesus had to get them out of there. That is the most dangerous sort of faith that you can have, is faith in Jesus for the wrong reason. He did not come to do those things. He came to suffer and die on behalf of all for all sin. And it has to do with the cross, not earthly glory. Also, he himself is having some difficulty. This is a great challenge to who he truly is. When Jesus is challenged for what his job is to be, he often will go up into the mountains by himself to pray and consider what the scriptures said about him, what he was supposed to be doing. But it looked like to the disciples, although Jesus had left them, that they were on their own just because they didn't see him physically with them. That's our problem too. Although he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I will never leave you nor forsake you, even the individual. We sometimes make the mistake of thinking we're on our own, that we're really in trouble because we can't see Jesus. We don't even recognize him peeking at us through what seems like rather dark times. So he forces them on the boat. They're to go back up to the head of the lake to Capernaum, Bethsaida, and he's off by himself in a mountain. Now, since he's the Son of God, doesn't he know full well what's going to be happening? You bet. He knows there's a storm coming, and they can come unexpectedly on the Sea of Galilee. All the best weathermen in Grand Rapids could not tell when those kind of storms would come. They happen all of a sudden, out of the blue. The lake can be quiet one moment and just completely churned up in the next. The disciples are trying to make it to safety. They're rowing from sundown until in to the fourth watch of the night. This is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. We're told that the boat was continuously being beaten about. Uh, The term is used for a boxing match, and the boat wasn't doing too well. The term is used of a boat that's filling up full of water, and it's being pounded and knocked around. And the disciples probably have to hang on for dear life. Hence this term, basanizo. And they're rowing like crazy, but the other accounts tell us that the wind was against them. They're not getting anywhere, but they have to keep rowing. They trust in their own strength because if the wind continues to blow them backwards, what they're heading into is the east side of the Sea of Galilee, which is notoriously rocky with cliffs. They do not want to be knocked back up against those cliffs because even if the boat is broken up at the bottom, they might not make it up the cliffs to land. This is absolute deadly They're tired out. The boat's filling with water. It's between 3 and 6 in the morning. They're about at their wit's end. There can be times in your life where you will be in that situation. 
You don't know what to do next. You're completely distraught. You don't know what's going on or what you can do next. It doesn't look like Jesus is walking with you. Everything seems upside down. You're actually, you think, maybe facing death itself. In the bulletin, we have note of the Kippens, Jack and Judy. Jack is now at St. Mary's Hospital with pneumonia, and he has blood clots. That's serious. I saw Jack yesterday, and he full well knows it. Judy was there, too. She's had some major surgery, and she's facing chemotherapy. And the odds with this particular cancer are not real great. She understands, too, that this could be the end. You might not have had situations like that, but in the end you will. Every single one of us is facing death, facing our end. If we take our eyes off Christ the Redeemer, we are, as I told little Charlie, sunk. If you look at your troubles and obsess about them and maybe even complain that Jesus isn't helping you, you're completely sunk and going down for the third time. Maybe that was a bad picture, sunk. But the only thing to do is, it says in Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our salvation, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffered its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God in glory. This account in John of Jesus walking in the water is not the point that he walks on water, although that shows that he is the Son of God and Lord of creation. But the point is, you have to keep looking to him, like Peter did. Now, by the way, Peter can swim. He's the only disciple we know of that knows how to swim. But if you're in the middle of the storm, don't count on that working very well. He has great faith to actually get out of the bouncing boat that's sinking. That must have been astounding. Still, in spite of that amazing thing that's holding him up, when you look at troubles, they can overpower you at any moment, at any time. The salvation still depends not on Peter's faith as though he, as though he is doing something. It's Christ there. When you're in a time where you're completely overwhelmed, do like Peter. He says, Lord, save me. And immediately, as he's quite literally in the Greek going down for the third time, he is drowning. He's in that process. Christ strongly grasps his arm and upholds him and asks him why he doubted. That's according to Matthew and Mark's Gospels. Why do we doubt? It's our old nature. Who overcomes it? Only Christ who comes to us in the middle of our difficulties. And that little, tiny, childlike faith that says, Lord, help me. Not understanding why, just crying out to him for your need, that's the only thing that he's listening for, is that simple faith, which has begun for Caden this day, although he could never explain it or put it into words. 
But the Spirit has begun this, begun this faith, the trust in Christ Jesus. That's the wondrous thing. The other accounts tell us that when they first saw Jesus, that they were absolutely terrified. They were shaking because they thought they were looking at a phantasma, a demon. They don't recognize Jesus right away. That's why Peter says, if it's you, Lord, then tell me to get out of the boat. The Jews had a notion of this, of two possibilities when you would die. If you had faith in the Lord God of Israel, an angel would come and escort you to heaven. That's in one of Jesus' parables. On the other hand, they had the equally wondrous notion that if you are dying and you had no faith in the Lord God of Israel, not an angel would come, but a demon, a phantasma. And he would lead you not to heaven, but to the depths of hell. They think it's a demon come to get them. What? They're the ones that knew the most about Jesus and the gospel, and yet at this point, facing death, they are terrified not merely of dying, but they think they're really going to be going to hell. But aren't these the first apostles and Christians? Yet even for them, they have this salutary, beneficial fear, not only of dying, but of hell. Now, we have faith in Christ Jesus as the Redeemer, that we dare not get into the easy, soft notion that no matter what, we're just going to heaven in the sweet by and by. We should always have a healthy notion of what could happen to us except by God's grace. By our sins, we are headed for hell, every single damned one of us, including yours truly. It is only by God's grace in Christ Jesus fulfilled at the cross that you can actually have this strong assurance of what's going to happen in the end. It depends upon Jesus. So no matter what you're going through, don't get upset. Don't worry. Don't look at the waves. Fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. He will always be the one who will uphold you and finally bring you to himself and to the far shore of heaven. That's probably the meaning of that description in John where as soon as they get back into the boat, they come immediately to the shore where they were heading, the safe haven the picture of heaven. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.